Tonight with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. When you use the word steering in sports, it can only be about a bullpen, right? A little bit of movement there, kicking around some dust. And the play-by-play guy will tell you that there's some stirring going on in the opposing bullpen. Not the case any longer. Today at the NFL Combine, that is a word that we absolutely should use among so many more. What a great day for the front seven. What a great day, uh, particularly for defensive linemen around the NFL and or headed towards the NFL. And I I think this is a real good thing for Jacksonville because whether you're ready or not, there's only 56 days until the NFL draft. That is almost a shock to me. 56 days. I mean, it's going to be here before you know it. They're going to work out tonight, the rest of the week, next week. um, There'll be even more talk about the reaction to everything that happened in Indianapolis. And then, of course, we're two weeks away from the Players' Championship. We're two weeks away from the start of the season in the NFL, the legal tampering period. Then just the shots are going to be fired all across the league. You don't sit around and wait for the market to get set. Uh Uh-uh. Uh, you overpay, and you go and you find your guys if you have a huge need, right? Isn't that the way free agency is? Fill an obvious need with a free agent, and then you draft the best players available, and that's what Trent Bulky and his staff is trying to do right now. It is a huge draft for the Jaguars, and I know you can say each and every year it is a huge draft for the Jaguars, but what's comforting at least somewhat is where Jacksonville is at 17, you have to try to get the best positional player that you can. Now, for me, that window is closed. It is exclusively an offensive lineman, and that is regardless of what we have seen today with defensive linemen. That includes former Florida State Seminole Jared Verse. What an incredible day. Verse said yesterday that he has already met with the Jaguars. Jacksonville has the opportunity to interview 60 players, right? All 32 teams in the NFL can interview 32 players. It's either for 50, or excuse me, 60 players. It's either for 15 and or 18 minutes. And, um, you know, that can be taxing, right? I don't think there's any question about that. Just think of yourself, uh, maybe when you were in college or whatever, and you went around campus and you interviewed with different companies. I understand that once you actually get out on your own, you got to find an interview, you get dressed up, you prep for it, you go. But it's different when it's one after another. Just imagine being one of these young prospects and literally going from team to team to team to team to team. And I'm sure your first four, five, six interviews, you're fresh, you're ready to go. Then all of a sudden it's interview seven, eight, nine, ten. You're being asked the same questions. In a lot of cases, you're being asked different questions. It's time-consuming. It's a nuisance. Yet, you want to be presentable. You want to be sharp as a tack because it could mean you're going here or not going here. Nonetheless, the Jaguars, their due diligence, they're being a part of that right now. 
the way that I look at it, the more exceptional work that is being done as far as training ahead of Jacksonville is the best thing that you can ask for as long as it's not offensive lineman after offensive lineman. Where I'm set right now, it's Jackson Powers Johnson. I think he is the guy that Jacksonville should select at number 17, the center out of Oregon. I will tell you right now, I don't feel comfortable about that selection. Uh, The tea leaves that I have um, licked, smelt, uh, looked at, observed, even heard, uh, if you will. Has anyone ever in the history of, uh, of our lives said that they heard something uh, from a tea leaf? I'm saying it right now. It's scary to me. It feels like they're going to go defense. It feels like they're going to go corner. It feels like they could possibly do something along that defensive line. And I want to yell. I want to scream. I want to pound tables. I want to break tables. I want to go Bill's Mafia and throw R.J. Saunders through a table. You know, I really do. I'm just like, just don't do it. Just leave it alone. If you want to play a game, if you want it to be uh, sent where perhaps another team behind you gets scared, they're going to move up or whatever, fine. That, that's part of the chess match here. That's part of the gamemanship. But look at your roster. Look at your team. Look at what you have. Look at all the decisions you're going to have to make and then put together the best offensive line available. I don't know if I believe that right now with this brass. If you go back and listen to what Doug Peterson said earlier this week when he said there was only one game where they had Cam and Ezra and Luke and Brandon and Anton, only one game, right? I would cut Cam Robinson. I would cut Brandon Sheriff. I wouldn't bring back Ezra Cleveland. I would replace Luke Fortner. I'm sitting here right now telling you I'd replace four of the five offensive linemen. And I don't even know if Anton Harrison's going to be your right tackle. He may be your left tackle. That's his position uh, by trade, right? 22 of 23 starts at Oklahoma. Left side. Played very well last year on the right side. Where's Luke Little? And all of this. John Osher joined me yesterday. Brings up Cooper Hodges, a local kid. Played at Appalachian State from here, or at least played here uh, high school-wise. Can you plug him in at right guard? Man, he's a seventh-round pick who spent the entire year on IR. Isn't that kind of a, a tall order to just project that a second-year right guard who was a seventh-round selection you can just send him in and make him the right guard. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's petrifying. But that's the way that it is for all 32 teams right now. You, you're trying to figure out what is best. And for starters for Jacksonville, we don't know what the Bears are going to do, right? That whole thing is screwed up. And they're going to have to decide whether or not Justin Fields is uh, the leader of that organization whether or not he's going to take them, um, you know, in the future to where the Bears want to be. Uh, You've seen all the projections with Caleb Williams. You've seen some projections with Drake May. Um, You could have the top three players in this year's draft all quarterbacks. We saw that three years ago, right? Trevor Lawrence, we saw it with Zach Wilson, And we saw it with Trey Lance. We also saw it back in the 1999 season with Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and Akili Smith. 
Check history. Couch, bust. Achilles Smith, bust. Donovan McNabb, very good. Very good. Took him to a Super Bowl. Played right here. The draft three years ago. Zach Wilson, bust. Trey Lance, bust. Trevor Lawrence, Jerry's out. I just told Frank Hayes and me a moment ago that, in my opinion, the, the reason why you're getting a lot of positive feedback right now in Indianapolis nationally when it comes from the Jaguars is because you've got one of only a couple of Super Bowl winning coaches. I mean, how many of those right now? You've got McVay. You've got Reed. You've got Peyton. Uh, you've got Harbaugh. That being John, did, did I miss anyone? I mean, Belichick's out, Carroll's out, or Tomlin's won one. So what do you got, five? I may have missed the guy. If so, let me know, 641-1010 on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That's important. Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I think you got a top 10 QB. I do. Someone's challenged me on it. You kidding me? Trevor Lawrence, top 10 quarterback. Yes, I think. But protect them. Protect him. Give him a running game. Jaguars were 31st in the NFL. 3.6 yards a carry. Travis Etienne went from 5.1 yards to 3.8. One quarter of his carries, 25%. He was smacked at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And Travis Etienne led the NFL in broken tackles. It's not his fault. It's the offensive line's fault. The top three picks are all quarterbacks that leaves only 14 positional players who could, in fact, go in front of Jacksonville uh, when, in fact, they do select. And obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, you might as well just forget about it, right? He's going to be probably the first non-quarterback to go in this draft. And there's going to be a couple of wide receivers who are going to go very high. The young man out of Washington um, is, is someone who is going to go. How about Dallas Turner today? 83 inches as far as the wingspan. I've always been a wingspan kind of uh, admirer, right? I, I think the first time I really got kind of caught up in that when I was at a Boston Celtics game back in the very early 1980s at the old Boston Garden. I think it was like a, uh, a mid-May game. There was no air conditioning. Okay. Do you understand do, do you understand that RJ? I grew up in Boston with no AC. Right. My parents bought a house in I think 1965 and air conditioning then was like something you didn't even think of. The cars we had, no air conditioning in our vehicles, no air conditioning in our house, the old Boston Garden, during that great rivalry between Boston and L.A. in the 80s, no air conditioning inside the Boston Garden. Just a good old parquet floor. <laughs> yeah, and the cold showers for the Lakers and all that stuff. But when I was there and I saw it, the wingspan, it was Kevin McHale. I'm telling you, I had great seats because of my uncle. And right in front of me, I watched Kevin McHale not even bend over. He just dropped his arms and tied his shoes. And I was like, damn, now that's some wingspan. Because Kevin McHale couldn't jump, right? And all he did, he had that soft little leaner and he had that little turnaround, uh, Jay, him and the chief, uh, Robert Parrish. But, man, that happened today. So, Brian, you know, Dallas Turner is a guy uh, that 
today made himself a tremendous amount of money, right? An 83-inch wingspan, and that is a stickler when it comes to Trent Bulky. I can only imagine what was going on inside Bulky's brain today when he heard an 83-inch wingspan. So he's going to move up. Dallas Turner is going to certainly skyrocket. Um, yeah, I played golf today out at uh, the Valley early this morning, TPC Valley. It was cold, but it was still a lot of fun. I actually saw Brian Harmon out there with the Claret Jug. I put it on Twitter. It's the first time I've ever seen the Claret Jug. What's the coolest trophy in sports? For me, it's Lord Stanley Cup. It's not even close. I mean, for me, it's the Larry O'Brien Larry O'Brien trophy. trophy? Okay. The World Series trophy is kind of cool. Um, does anyone really – the Lombardi trophy? Mm. Why does it look so eh to me? They don't do it right with the Super Bowls. First off, they, they wasted our time with Roman numerals. I mean, guys like me are like, what the hell Super Bowl is? It? And you see Roman numerals, and you're like, man, I, I, I learned about Roman numerals when I was like 9 or 10. I haven't used them since. Why do you put Roman numerals? I mean, you change everything else in the NFL. You can't even have a simple PAT anymore, right? You got to move it back. You can't have a kickoff anymore. There's touchbacks. You wave your hand. Everything in the league changes. You can't hit a quarterback. You can't hit a guy high. You can't hit a guy low. But they're going to keep those stupid, foolish Roman numerals there. It's like, it's Super Bowl what? And there's like X's and V's, and and I'm like, I don't know what it is. But, the you know, the Lombardi Trophy? Nah. National title in college football or college basketball? Nah. I I think, without even hesitation, the Stanley Cup is just incredible. What a trophy that is. What 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 a and and, and to hear some of the stories over the years, now over well over a hundred years that have actually happened uh with that is pretty cool. But I did get a good look today at the Claret Jug. And he was taking some photos right outside of the uh, the stadium and right outside of the clubhouse uh, today was Brian Harmon. Tough to believe. We're less than two weeks away from the Players' Championship. It's six sixteen right now. You'll have just about all of the golfers already in. And I, I got to imagine if they're not done, the, the horn will blow and that first-round coverage will be over. Uh, in exactly two weeks. But anyway, I was playing golf with a, one of my buddies today, uh, actually three of my friends today, and he's like, I don't care if the Jaguars signed Evan Ingram. I don't care if the Jaguars used the second-round pick last year on um, uh, Brenton Strange. If Brock Bowers is there, you got to take him. And I'm like, bro, no. No, you can't take him. That's one position group that you actually feel pretty good about. Right? Evan Ingram had a career year. Brenton Strange was a disappointment. All right? But I still think he is going to be a good player. And it may be a situation where you have to rely on him as much as a blocking tight end as a receiving tight end because Trevor Lawrence is very comfortable, obviously, with Evan Ingram. And then you have Luke Farrell, year four of his deal, who is your blocking tight end. They're set there. Brock, I mean, Brock Bowers could end up being absolutely phenomenal, but no. There's way, 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 way too many other positions uh, that need to be addressed. Jared Verse today made himself a ton 
of money. A four five nine today for Jared Verse. A thirty five inch vertical, a ten seven broad jump. Um, he is interviewed with the Jaguars, and you know interviews here in Indianapolis, or I should say interviews at uh, the Combine in Indianapolis, and then bringing guys in, it's not as though I've uh, kept numbers or statistics on it, but I've always believed that there's some tomfoolery involved. When word gets out that you fly a guy in, you give him a dinner, you take him through the Miller Electric Center, you show him everything, um, you know, the antenna goes up, right? Oh, there's interest there. I've also seen it many times locally when I was in Chicago, hearing uh, as to what used to go on at, at Hallis Hall, and certainly around here before I left and when in the 18 years now that I've been back, there's been many times that teams are absolutely interested in a guy, but they won't bring him in because they don't want to send that type of message. So I don't know if you should read too much into that, but the Jaguars did interview Jared Verse. And, and there's a guy today who's moving up. You know, he's got other drills to do. We'll see. Apparently, he interviewed very well, but a good day for him. Tell you what, another Seminole, Braden Fisk, is probably, I've read it now in a couple of different places, out of everyone who worked out today, the biggest moneymaker of all was Braden Fisk. And I'm going to say this because I mean it. I thought Braden Fisk had a much better year at Florida State than Jared Verse. I think Verse at times disappeared. Now, Verse is much more than just a pass rush specialist, okay? He is a guy that can play all three downs for you. You look at another one, um, uh, who am I trying to think of here? Uh, uh, the guy from Mississippi State. Love it, okay? Love it is he's not going to go as high uh, from Florida State, but, you know, he's a one or two down guy. That's all you're going to get out of him. In a run situation, you know, is probably a defensive tackle. Fabian Lovett, that's what you're going to get. Braden Fisk did everything for Florida State. And, and I think this is a guy that can play all on the defensive line. As a matter of fact, he, um, he spoke yesterday. Let's get to Braden Fisk. And he was asked about where he believes he'll play at the NFL level. I definitely think I project as a three technique. I mean, I mean, in most of my meetings, that's kind of what you know, teams see me as. I mean, there's certain packages where I can bump out wide and play you know, five or six and short yardage goal line situations. Uh, I don't necessarily project as a one technique, but in passing situations, you know, second and longs, third and longs, I mean, you, know, you can easily rush from the A gap. I mean, you're not, you're not needed to be a run stopper in that situation. But, yeah, I think across the board, you know, I think I bring a lot of versatility that I'll be able to fit in kind of anywhere, you know, in any situation. Talking about small, you know, you're talking about guys out of small schools. Right, Albany, uh, Western Michigan. Then all of a sudden they go to the big platform there and they perform and perform very well uh, at Florida State. Grade-wise, Jared Verse could be a top 10 pick. He could be a top 12 pick. He's got the measurables. He's got the athleticism. He's got the film. He's the complete player. Braden Fisk, to me, however was a much better player. You know, it, it reminds me of that great seminal defense of a decade ago. All that talk about, you know, all those defensive players and, and just about every one of them was selected and ended up playing in the NFL draft. But remember the five stars of Mario Edwards Jr. and, and Goldman and, and Christian Jones and, 
It just went on and on and on. Telvin Smith was a fifth-round pick, but if you really paid attention, he's a guy who made play after play after play as an undersized linebacker while at Florida State, even though Jalen was there and, you know, just great player after great player. P.J. Williams was there. It just went on. Um, That's the way I feel about Braden Fisk. Braden Fisk made so many really good plays doing a variety of different things this past year at Florida State. So a really good day for him, and he has interviewed with the Jaguars. Uh, Braden Fisk, a 33-and-a-half-inch vertical and a broad jump at 9-9. Some of his material is viral. Him on the bag today, him going around the bag, just doing all sorts of different drills, and um, it was pretty incredible as far as his effort. So overall, a, a good day there for those two Knowles, but my, my point is not about either one of them. It's about having stars arrive and having stars doing better than they are projected to do so you can have more guys go ahead of Jacksonville at 17 that are not offensive linemen, okay? That's the point of the entire conversation. Joe Walt, the tackle out of Notre Dame, he's going to be long gone, right? I don't think there's any doubt about that. J.C., uh, you know, the kid out of Bama, J.C. Latham, he, he's going to be probably another top 10, top 7, top 6. Uh, I've even seen him at 5 in a couple of these mock drafts, and, and obviously there are so many of them that are out. But that could be really the only two that are ahead of the Jaguars. And, and, and you look at like another situation with J.J. McCarthy. Could he end up going? If so, that becomes four quarterbacks to join the other three we talked about in Daniels and in, in May and Caleb Williams. That's what you want. I mean, if you're a Jag fan, you'd like to have five or six quarterbacks go ahead of where you select so you can get the best possible you know, position players that are not quarterback uh, ahead of you. I, I have seen the kid out of Penn State. And I think it's a, a Olu uh, Fashana uh, who is projected in some circles uh, to perhaps go ahead of where Jacksonville is selecting at 16 and also the guard in Fontanu out of Washington. But that has not been consistent. That has been spread out all over, you know, depending on which mock draft you actually look at. I'm going to talk about that on the other side because yesterday – Unfortunately, uh, Mel Kuyper did have the Jaguars going for a cornerback in Quinya Mitchell, uh, a young guy out of Toledo that I don't know anything about at all. I can't remember watching Toledo football. I've certainly read a ton about him so far during the draft process, but uh, that could, in fact, be the case as far as that. All right. A lot of input from you coming in today. I know a lot of you during the work, uh, during the work day or whatever it may be, um, you have such an opportunity these days to cheat, right? On the computer, on the TV, pull things up. Yeah, boss, I'm really working hard on this deal. And you're, you're watching guys do the three-cone drill or you're watching guys run around the bags or are you just watching the broad jump or you're watching the vertical. And I get it because you're a football nut and I love it. You can get away from that by faking out your boss like you're really deep into it. And the internet's working for you, and you're bringing in this, and you're doing that, but you're you're cheating. You're just watching the combine. Love to hear it. And I know that a lot of our listeners are that way because I can already see the response that's coming in at 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. 
but I'd love to hear from you on this tonight. Again, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Build it. Build the Great Wall of Duval. Oh, I want it so bad. You could skill position me here. You can wide receiver, DB, DE. You can do all that. I just want an offensive line. I do. Just how great would that image be to have the Jacksonville Jaguars have the meanest and the best offensive line in the just how I mean, look at how Philly lines up in that stupid little whatever play they call it, uh, the push or whatever it is. I would rather have that, <coughs> excuse me, than, uh, you know, a pass rush guy that's getting 17 and a half sacks a year. Dual wide receivers that are getting plus 1,000 yards a year. Travis Etienne consistently 1,000 yards rushing, even though it was a bad offensive line. I guess with a good offensive line, you'd have that anyway. But that's what I think this city needs it is five guys totally in unison who just create complete havoc in the ditch. It's what I want more than anything. And, uh, hey, is it what you want? We will see. All right, play golf today out at uh, the Valley. Very, very windy today, and there were a couple of holes that were cart path only. Okay, so, you know, that becomes um, good for guys like me because you have to walk a little bit more. But I'm also with guys whose eyes are, are not working for them anymore. And you take that trip out and you bring the, you know, you bring the um, uh, whatever they call it, the, the, the gun uh, to measure your distance from where your ball is uh, to the actual flag. And... You know, it's like 170, 160. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? That's like 115, 120, because my eyes are perfect, 2020, since I've been with uh, Shmunez Vision. But it's an ongoing drill, and it's one that just, I'll admit, I've become more of a fan of this since I've been with Shmunez. It amazes me how off my buddies are or friends are. And several have gone uh, to Shmunez Vision, including my buddy, Dr. Michael Shinatri, who had LASIK surgery. Uh, with Shmunez Vision. Loves it. You know, he's a younger guy, man, 2020. Doesn't have to worry about anything for the rest of his life. He's chasing young kids around, doing all that great stuff. He's got perfect eyes. But, you know, others just seem to let it go. You know, everything else is more important. It's it's not your eyes. And I, I hate that for you because you could be missing out. And right now here, late at night, your eyes are a lot weaker because of fatigue than it was when you woke up this morning. Just go and check them out online. It's outstanding. Everything is explained to you there with the good folks at Shmunez Vision. Go to Shmunez Vision and check it out and care you can see the good folks over at Shmunez Vision. All right, we're jam-packed tonight. Absolutely loaded up until 8 o'clock. The NFL Combine officially underway where they're finally working out. That is the way it's been on this Thursday. We will keep you updated on all the movement there. And again, the best way for you to join us, 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, uh, tomorrow, special show with you from 3 until 6. That'll be the deal coming up tomorrow. Already looking forward to that, but we got a ton to do here tonight. Someone asked me if I mentioned uh, Mike McCarthy 
as far as a Super Bowl winning coach, and I did not. A lot of people out there believe it's um, pretty incredible that Mike McCarthy was only able to win one Super Bowl while he had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But, uh, you know, with Belichick and Carroll out, you got Andrew Reid, you got John Harbaugh, you got Jacksonville's Doug Peterson, Mike McCarthy, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, and Sean McVay. That's actually not that bad of a list. That's, what, seven. So that's pretty high. If, if you know, just off the top of my head, I think there's only three coaches right now in college football who have won a national title. Are you kidding me? Three? I mean, you've got Kirby and Dabo, and then a lot of people will forget Mac Brown, who won it, you know, 24, whatever it was, 20-some-odd years ago at Texas uh, with Vince Young when they knocked off USC at the Rose Bowl. But you just lost Harbaugh to the NFL. Saban retired. Jimbo Fisher was fired. You only have three head coaches right now in college football who have won the national championship. It's, fr- it's frightening. A little bit more in college and, and uh, a little bit more in the NFL. And, and let's be fair here. Okay? Uh, Mike McCarthy, when they start coming out with hot seat lists, Mike McCarthy is going to be number one on that list this year at Dallas. Doug Peterson's going to be on that list. Despite nine and eight seasons, he's going to be on it. All right? So there's another. Um, can you put Mike Tomlin on it? I, some will. But when you just look at the Rooney family, they're just so loyal. We know they've only had three coaches in the Super Bowl era. If you go back to Chuck Knoll and, and um, uh, Bill Cowher, and now Mike Tom Tomlin's one of those guys who kind of flirts with, uh, could this be it? Andy Reid as well. Could this be it? I just don't know how much longer those two actually do have uh, in the tank. I think John Harbaugh certainly safe. I think Sean McVay, as long as he does it, uh, is safe. Sean Payton probably got to pick things up a little bit. And, and that's another major story that is brewing right now in Indianapolis is Russell Wilson. Right now, you can almost get even odds on Russell Wilson as being the opening day starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I don't know what's going on with that. I'm going to ask uh, our friend uh, Rafael Esparza when he joins us a little bit later on tonight here on the program live from Vegas. I wanted to do some combine uh, hits as to, you know, people are now betting on the combine overall, particularly the 40, the bench press, you know, some other drills. And then other stuff from the Combine, we will not know officially until the NFL draft does take place. All right, a lot of good stuff coming in on the text line, the 8696 Blue. Do you believe the smoke that both Robinson and Sheriff will be back? Uh, Feels like Sheriff needs to go. Do I believe the smoke? Um, Somewhat, especially with Cam Robinson. I mean, that's turned 180. We witnessed that. Trent Bulky at his season-ending press conference 18 days after the season ended got himself in a little bit of hot water with the Josh Allen camp. For what it's worth, I don't think Trent Bulky really did anything wrong, right? The Allen camp got upset. The Allen camp wants a long-term deal, right? He has until March 5th. Tomorrow's the 1st. I, 
I, I think it's pretty safe to say that you're going to slap a franchise tag on Josh Allen by March 5th and then try to get a long-term deal done with him before July 15th, very similar to what just happened in 2023 with Evan Engram. So that's a pretty decent track record if you do look at it that way. And, of course, Cam was tagged twice, and he's still under contract. But bulky, as a matter of fact, let's go to that, RJ. If, if anyone missed that, let me see. Yeah, let's go to number six. Here, here's Trent Bulky Tuesday when he was asked about Cam Robinson and his and uh, I'll give RJ a second here to find it. It's number six uh, there, RJ from Trent Bulky at the podium uh, this past uh, Tuesday. I you know I, I thought it was really interesting with Trent Bulky because when he was asked about this during his season-ending press conference, he was asked about Josh Allen and gave us his answer about how he's going to be here, either with a tag or a long-term deal. And then he was immediately asked about Cam Robinson and and went on and, and, and stated that he didn't want to talk about any other players. Well, he was asked about Cam Robinson again two days ago. I don't know where, where, where the ambiguity was. Uh, he's under contract, and the expectation is that he will be back. You know, We've had a lot of discussions over the last two weeks. We obviously got a lot of moves we got to do. There's a lot of players that have hit free agency. There's another bunch of young guys that we're working on potential extensions for. So we've got a lot of balls in the air right now, and we're just going to try to play them one by one. So that turned completely. And again, is it is it genuine? And I'm not saying that to to call out Trent Bulky. I think there's gamemanship involved in everything that you're doing. Okay? You of course you want to be truthful, but there's ways to get messages out there and there's ways to plant stuff that is out there. For me, it's a no-brainer. I would cut Cam Robinson and I would cut Brandon Sheriff. And the reason why I would do that, number one for Cam Robinson, is I don't think you can rely on him anymore. He gets injured every year. He got popped for four games, and then he missed four games. So he's missing half the year. And he's good. He's not great. He's good. And you can't pay this guy more than $21 million a year to be your starting left tackle. If you cut him, you have to eat $3.8 million. And that's very affordable under the, you know, the recent salary cap figures, which are just absolutely insane. Um, what, $255.4 million? You, you can eat the 3.8. All right, that becomes a part of it, but that's very doable. You also recoup $17,279,000. Man, you can use that money elsewhere. Go out and get the best free agent offensive lineman. Go out and get another position player if you draft an offensive lineman perhaps in the first, second, or third round. So I'm cutting him. The sheriff deal's a little bit more complicated, okay? There's no doubt I'm saying goodbye. It's just the timing. He's a right guard that carries a $24 million tag. I mean, I'd cut him today if you could. Here's the problem, and again, this is – what becomes very scary with Brandon Sheriff is right now his dead cap money is actually more than what you would save. 
His dead cap money is $14,886,000, where you would recoup $9 million. Now, if you wait until after June 1st, cut him post-June 1st, you would only have to eat $7,467,000, and you could bring back sixteen five. You had the sixteen five and the seventeen two with Cam Robinson. I mean, you're talking about $34 million that you can add to your salary cap to go on out and get other players. Again, I haven't been able to get an answer to this because I don't know if anyone knows, but I believe that within the league you can announce that you want to cut a guy before June 1st, but the money situation will actually change as though it was an after-post-June 1st transaction, if that makes any sense. I, I Don't quote me on this. Don't put it in, in concrete. I'm trying to get an answer on it. But, you know, the only thing that would change there is you'd have more money to go after these free agents when the legal tampering period begins in two weeks. If not, this would be a late wave. And that's the way it was. Remember early on? Remember for you old school NFL fans how those June 1st cuts used to be so prevalent and almost became like a second wave in free agency? It, that's no, no longer really what does happen, or at least not nearly as much as what used to happen. But, yeah, to answer your question, mm-mm. I can't trust Cam Robinson because he gets injured. And Brandon Sheriff has got a heart of a lion, but he's he's not what he once was. And for $24 million, no way. I'm going in a different direction. I'm saying goodbye to both. You want to comment on that, you can at 641 that is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Uh, Lifetime Enclosure. So, all right, tonight's show brought to you by Patriot Roofing. All right, Patriot Roofing Services right here in Jacksonville, specializing in all types of commercial residential roofing and repairs, gutters, sun tubes, skylights, 10-year workmanship warranty. Let's give my buddy Mark Tizzolo a call, 982-4052, licensed and insured, no subcontractors either. So you're dealing just with Mark. Financing is available, discounts for military and senior citizens, check them out online, Patriot Roofing. Again, if you need a new roof or a repair to your current roof, repairs to your current roof, whether it's your home or your business, check them out online. Go to Patriot Roofing. All right, we got much more to do here on the Combine live from Indianapolis. We'll keep you updated on everything that has happened. For the most part, things have slowed down here a little bit today, but there's so much to dive into. And we are going to do that. Uh, Also, next hour, live from Las Vegas, we'll take a look at some of these uh, combine results that you could have bet on. It's only day one as far as the testing, so still wide open. And and the way that we actually have live in-betting now with games, I'm sure that continues um, with the NFL combine. I'll ask Rafael Esparza uh, about that. He'll join us coming up next hour as well. So we got much more to do along with RJ Saunders. My name is Rick Bully. We call this Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Into the Night, Rick Ballou, RJ Saunders. Tomorrow, business hours on a Friday, 3 to 6. Years and years and years and years and years and years I did afternoon drive. Don't get me wrong. I love the nighttime. I'm a night guy. But tomorrow we go 3 to 6. 
We got to get in trouble at six. We got to go somewhere. Where are we headed? Anywhere, man. The world's our oyster. I'm down. Just like the old days. Speaking of oysters, final day over at the Blue Crab Crab House of the Mardi Gras, the month of February. Where have you gone? It's over in five hours. We got to go back. Remember when we went that one time? We got to go back. Heck yeah, I go all the time. Love the Blue Crab Crab House. Right there off of San Jose on Julington Creek Road. Outstanding time. Not, not enough mom and pop places in this great town. Okay? I mean, I don't complain about this town. Yesterday, I, I sat and bragged about the weather for like the first 10 minutes of the show. Today was kind of chilly. Still a great day. I mean, what's there not to love? Beach, golf. Everything is right next to you. It only takes you about, what, two minutes, five minutes, no matter where you want, need to go in Jackson. <laughs> yeah, you kind of reaching on that. Oh, man. Nothing is right by. Beautiful downtown scenery. I mean, overlook the jail. But, I mean, it's just no place I'd rather be than having a nice cold Miller Lite and a shot of Tullamore Dew just overlooking the St. John's. Hang out at the landing. That's always a lot of good fun. Ooh. Oh, they took that away. What are they putting up? Ooh. Actually, with a buddy of mine today, Ryan, who uh, was in, as a firefighter, was involved uh, putting out that damaging fire downtown uh, right across from where the, uh, the baseball stadium is and, and where the uh, uh, Vice Star Arena is. But awful fire. Not, not a really bad deal uh, for downtown. That downtown's just... It's more than snake bit, man. I mean, that that is like Black Mamba, Viper, Spitting Cobra, Rattler, Moccasin, Corns. Not Corns. I got, that's not uh, poisonous. Corals. I mean, they just, just really feel bad uh, for the people there. Uh, uh, you know, I just got this again on the offensive line. You know, so people and, – and, and what's funny about this – is I'm so down on the offensive line. People who disagree with me think that I'm coddling Trevor, which is fine. I I can handle that. I think I've told each and every one of you that my confidence level on Trevor Lawrence has dropped in a year. I still think it's going to work. And and this is the question you should ask yourself when I say it's going to work. Is Trevor Lawrence going to lead this team to a Super Bowl? Okay, we just talked about Super Bowl winning coaches. Well, it's even less for Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Didn't Mahomes win again? How many of those do you have in the league? Flacco came back. He's out. He's a free agent. Foles is is gone. I mean, Breeze is gone. Brady's gone. Both Mannings are gone. Roethlisberger's gone. Rivers never won it. Matt Ryan never won it. You got what? Russell Wilson. You got Mahomes. You've got uh, who else? Am I, who else is a starting quarterback who's won a ring in the NFL? They they are so few and far between. It is insane. You just can't find them. That's what you need to ask: Is Trevor Lawrence at twenty four years of age? Does he have the makeup to take this team to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl? That is what it's all about, as far as I'm concerned. But someone here said to me, oh, you know, you're too tough on the offensive line. Yeah, they didn't do a nice job run blocking. They did a, they did a good job in pass protection. No, they didn't. 
Go back and look at the numbers. Trevor Lawrence had like the fastest release in the NFL. He had to get rid of the ball a few tenths of a second faster than just about every other quarterback. And he also has very good escapability in the pocket. Didn't get enough credit for that. I mean, pro football focus, do what you want with it. Not one of the Cam Robinson, Ezra Cleveland, Luke Fort Luke Fortner was grading in the 40s every game. Brandon Sheriff and Anton Harrison, not one of the five had an average of 70 of 70 or higher. I, I, I gotta believe it's the only offensive line group in the NFL that didn't have at least one player with an average of 70 or better throughout the course of the season. This organization did not. It's so obvious, people. Why can't you see it with me? It is so obvious. It is a huge problem. It's a big wart right in the middle of your forehead. You've got a prom queen. You've got a supermodel. You have got a lady of the night, as hot as you can find. She is smoking, and she's got a huge wart. It's almost like a third eyeball right on her forehead. That is your Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, day one testing defensive linemen at the NFL Combine is in the books. Really good day for quite a few of these linemen, including two Florida State seminal defensive players, Brayden Fisk and Jared Verse. We'll get back to that, getting a ton in on our text line on my comments about the Jaguars and uh, the offensive line. If you want to join the conversation, 641-1010. On our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also always get me on Twitter, Baloo1010XL. All right, let's take a couple of minutes out here to uh, get into the Southern Swing. It's unbelievable to really think how fast time has gone by. Two weeks from today, first round scores of the Players' Championship will have already have been posted. That is crazy. Today playing out in... Uh, Palm Beach Gardens, let's bring in my buddy Rick Shoemaker. Of course, he is the owner as well of Cimarron, and he goes into the night with Rick Ballou. Rick, good to have you back. How you been? No, I'm doing great, doing great. We're uh, rocking and rolling over here at Cimarron, and uh, again, we're looking forward to this uh, swing. It's great when these guys get into the state of Florida, and uh, we see what it does for tourism, to say the least. So uh, we're excited about the next month. No doubt about it. We, we, we talk so much football-related about playing East Coast, West Coast, indoors, outdoors, the cold, all of that. What about for these PGA Tour players, though? Playing out West the way they just have through Phoenix and all throughout California, now the Southern Swing. How much do things change for them as far as the understanding, you know, the difference in the grass and things along those lines? Well, the the grass is certainly different, the Bermuda, right, uh, how it sits. But, you know, they had played in the Kakua out there at Riviera, which is thick and gnarly, so when they're swinging at 120 miles an hour, um, it's got to be pretty gnarly to affect them. So it's not a big change. The greens, um, the Bermuda grass is, is so low cut nowadays. The grain um, is minimal in some cases. Um, so it's not really that. Look, it, it's more about them preparing for 
what's unfolding come March, April, May with all the majors. And I think you see these top guys really um, being very savvy about their schedule, 18 and 20 events. And mm-hmm. uh, just using this almost as a warm-up to some extent. Yeah, I can't remember the year it was. I was in Pebble Beach in the year 2000 when Tiger just, I mean, shut everyone down and won by like 12 strokes. But it was years later when there was another major uh, at the United States Open at Pebble. It might have been 8 to 10, 12 years later. I don't remember the year. But Tiger elected not to play in February, and someone asked him, well, why won't you play here in February if you're going to play here again this summer? And Tiger looked at the reporter and said, the course is going to be so incredibly different then that I won't get anything out of it now. So, you know, I was out, I I went by the players today. I saw Brian Harmon out there, of course, and won a claret jug. If if you've been out there practicing and doing things, let's say back in, in November or December or January, how much does that change compared to what you would expect in two weeks? I, I think the rough will continue to grow. I think this forecast is a wild card, right? I mean, obviously, as a golf course owner, I'm looking at it. But with rain forecast for five or six days at 50 or 60 percent, it just takes um, that to happen for this uh, overseed to uh, burst through and really create some challenges in that rough. So wow. I think this next uh, six to 10 days of weather is a big deal as to how impactful that rough height and thickness will be. Uh, Rick, I've battled some true golf fans out there about my comments. Two months into the PGA Tour season, only one top 10 player has won an event on the PGA Tour, according to the world, uh, you know, the official world golf rankings. And we've had three first-time winners, including last weekend. We had an amateur win uh, going back a few weekends ago for the first time in 33 years. Is this good or bad for the PGA Tour? Um, again, I, I think we talked about it last week. I think with what's unfolded with Live Golf, um, opening up opportunities, I think in the long run, it's very healthy and positive for the PGA Tour and golf. We're seeing these young stars up and coming have an opportunity. There's probably 10 or 15 more slots each week. I, I think it's healthy in the long run. Short term, guys like me that are older and you're used to seeing certain names, um, it's challenging at times to watch and, and uh, not get excited, but really feel like okay you're rooting for that one or two individuals Mm -hmm. i think long term it's healthy i think short term um you're also seeing though some of these guys i'd have to go back and look at it but it'd be intriguing to look how many times did the top 10 or 20 really play Mm -hmm. because again they are gearing their schedule now toward these majors they are um rich literally right now versus look 25 years ago they had to play that west coast you had to get ahead in the money market and the uh, money game and be in the top 30 or 40 to, to make the tour championship and keep your card. And now there's so much more security through their sponsorships, their opportunities and how much they're making that frankly, it, there's just less pressure to have to play, you know, four or six times uh, beginning in January. Yeah. I thought it was great last week. I can't remember his name. It escapes me, but the guy who finished in second place asked where the guy in third place was before he elected whether or not the, to take a drop, uh, you know, instead of winning it, just being able to get that top money, obviously there's a noticeable difference between second on the PGA Tour and third on the PGA Tour. Uh, talking golf with uh, uh, Rich, uh, Rick Shoemaker, who, uh, who joins Rick Ballou. All right, um, as we wrap it up, uh, Tiger, I mean, the pressure on him to be here, I, I have to imagine, uh, 
is immense. He, he tried to give it a go. We heard about back spasms, then a flu, but photos showed us that he was actually eating a sandwich after he apparently came out with a flu. He has so much success at Arnold's event next week at Bay Hill, but obviously with this being the Players' Championship in two weeks, can you imagine what that must be like right now for Tiger Woods? Look, I, I think only he knows with his health and his his situation as far as his um, recovery uh, to to walk and, and play. Um, does I, I, you know? Originally, I was thinking, oh, you know what? He might need the confidence. He might need to go win. But then you go, look, the guy is the all time champ. I don't know how much confidence he really needs. I think it's just testing his leg and getting tournament ready. Um, I think Bayhill does bring a lot of uh, intangible confidence to the surface for him um, in believing he can still shoot that 10 or 12 runner and be in the final two or three groups. Uh, other than that, um, he's Tiger. And it's, again, it's not going to surprise me if he's suddenly, you know, on the leaderboard in the final day um, at the Masters. Yeah. Um, and the Players' Championship, I, I think in support of the PGA Tour and what it's done for him, It'd be fantastic if it's here uh, for his game itself and what he's trying to do at the, at the end of his career. I'm not sure the players fit that selfish goal. If that makes sense. It does make sense, and I I would love to see him get one more to get ahead of Sam Snead. Of course, both have 82 lifetime, and you look at the Arnold Palmer Invitational next week. Tigers won there eight times. It's, it's that in Bridgestone where he's won it. Uh, eight times. So he's won here. He's won here as an amateur. He's won here as a professional. I'm aware of that. But I think, you know, in order to, if, if he was to grab a win, I think most would say he'd have a better opportunity with that uh, next week. Only time will tell. All right, give us the very latest out there, Rick, at uh, Cimarron right there on 210. That includes the Loyalty Club program. No, absolutely. We are uh, having fun, to say the least. Golf should always be fun. So we're having a fun time on the golf course nowadays. Greens are fantastic. Uh, our programs are giving people the deals, the opportunity to come out and play all-inclusive through the loyalty program. You get golf, lunch, and a beer when we do those specials. Uh, we have music tonight, loud, fantastic, rocking in here. I'm a live music guy. And we're excited about the Players Week when we start to have music every day of the players and just celebrating the game of golf and the fact that at the end of the day, no matter what you shoot, no matter where you hit it on number 18, there's still a bar at the end of the day and some good food. So golf is about having fun with your friends and just enjoying the weather. So that's what we're doing out here. Yeah. And that stone and barrel tap house restaurant is incredible, both indoors and outdoors. I'm a big fan. Hey, uh, tell our listeners, those who have not been out there yet or, or know about the email process, the loyalty club program, how do you, how do they get a hold of, uh, of you in that to, to be a part of this? Uh, very simple. When you pull up our website, one of those pop-up boxes shows up and says, join the loyalty program. Click here, and you click, and you type in your email, and voila, you'll be in the system. Somewhere up in the cloud, but you'll be in the system. Rick, I'll see you real soon, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you. No, thank you. There, he, there he goes, Rick Shoemaker with Cimarron. And right there on 210. Man, they have, uh, they have put a lot of money into that golf course. And I, I understand that. For a lot of you who have been here for many years, like, yeah, no, I'm telling you. And I checked the text line. I mean, no one's more interactive with our listeners on the text line than I am, okay? I, I get back to just about as – sometimes we get so many of them, and 
that really means a lot to me, honestly. Okay, I, I remember when we started off, we were going to have a text, and I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, if people want to get a hold of me, they can get me on Twitter or, uh, you know, MySpace or whatever it may be. Uh, but the, the, the hotline on, um, you know, our text line is amazing. And all the input I get, I, I have challenged the listener to go out to Cimarron and tell me what you think. I have not gotten one negative review. It is amazing. The greens, the fairways, the tee boxes. It's always been a great layout. First five holes, you better not go right. You'll be wet. But they've done some nice work. And listen, I'm a fan of all golf courses. I'm not going to exclusively only talk about Cimarron. I told you I played earlier today out at uh, at, uh, TPC Valley. I, I play them all. I love them all. But you need to give Cimarron an opportunity. For those who went years ago and weren't a fan, they have done phenomenal work. I wouldn't say it if not. It's as simple as that. All right, 641-1010 on the text line if you'd like to join us. I, I do want to get back to, obviously, the NFL. I'm a little bit more concerned than Rick was, Rick Shoemaker, about what is going on with the tour. Look at today's leaderboard. Seven under par, 64s, Chad Ramey and H. S.H. Kim. Okay. Ryan Moore, big fan, like the way he dresses, six under. Andrew Novak, six under. Austin Eckroat, six under. Cameron Young, is a nice player, six under. Uh, Jason Hadley, six under. Okay. Not bad. Uh, David Skins, six under. You know, Billy Horschel, former Gator, lives here in town. Good, five under. Bug Colley, get out of Alabama. I, does Bug live here? I'll have to check on that. Five under. Sam Ryder, five under. All right, m- not bad. Not bad. Uh, but I was with a foursome today, and, you know, all of a sudden you you look up, and, and uh, heck, I can't even, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, it's, it's escaping me right now, for crying out loud. Brian Harmon has won a claret jug. And we're looking at, I'm like, is that Brian Harmon? I can't tell. Yeah, that's all of a sudden you see the clarity. Yeah, that's Brian Harmon. And this isn't a slap towards him, but these guys all seem to be alike, right? And Brian Harmon's a little bit shorter than the average player on the PGA Tour. I, I just, I watched this happen to boxing when the stars left or the stars got old. And how healthy is boxing? How healthy is heavyweight boxing? I'm not talking about. Even the Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, and, and um, you know, it just went at Roberto Duran and, and uh, um, you know, years after Floyd Mayweather. Uh, and I remember the, I used to love the Winky Wrights. I had Roy Jones Jr. Uh, who played a basketball game here and fought in the same night, all right, sat in the studio with me. I, I used to really love boxing. Today's boxing to me is kind of like, what? And who do you really – I remember one year, RJ, we, I was out, I think it was out in Seattle, or it might have been Phoenix for the Super Bowl, and you got Wilder, the heavyweight champion, right? and I interviewed him. There was like one or two people around um, Dante Wilder and about 200 people around Conor McGregor, okay? It yeah. was like, listen, it's the cage, it's the new thing. Everyone wanted to be around McGregor. Anderson is a huge person. I'm like, 
I got an opportunity, and I'm trying to remember if Wilder at that point was the heavyweight champion or was on the cusp of becoming a heavyweight champion. And you got Furry and you got some of these other, uh, Fury and some other guys. But, I mean, heavyweight boxing's gone. And that's what I wonder about the PGA Tour. When when these big names are, uh, Sergio's not here anymore. Phil's not here anymore. Right? And then you lose younger guns like Rom and DeChambeau and Kepka, and the list just goes on and on and on. Is it good enough for you if Eric Van Royen goes out and wins the Players' Championship? Right? That's my concern. I hope I'm wrong because I love the PGA Tour. Believe me, I want to be wrong here. I just think there's such an opportunity for stars right now on this tour. And that has got to be what Jay Monahan and others are wondering. You, you, you can't fake you can't fake that. I don't know how you're going to do it. You know? How's that going to work? How, how do all of a sudden you put yourself in a position where thousands and thousands and thousands of fans are going to gravitate towards you? I, I asked this to the three friends that I played golf with today. I was like, all right, let me take away JT and let me take away and let me take away Rory. And if Tiger doesn't come, if you're gonna go to this event, is there a pairing? Is there a grouping that you're gonna say to your family, your friends, we gotta head to this particular hole because this group is playing? I mean, just ask yourself that question. I was there a couple years ago when Shane Lowry had that hole-in-one and with all the wind, and I I think, man, now there's a guy, Shane Lowry, you know, he's a likable guy. He's Irish. He looks like he likes to have cold beer and a steak. I don't know. It's it's not the John Daly feel for Shane Lowry. And it's just my honesty on this. I I hope I'm wrong, but... I mean, you've got stars in baseball. You got stars in football. You got stars in hockey. You got stars in basketball. I think right now, the modern day PGA Tour is starving for another star. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tomorrow, Ballou and Saunders with you 3 to 6 on a Friday, a getaway Friday. That's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow, 3 until 6. Guests scheduled, including my buddy Niall Lawrence Stamp. I'm going to roll in here. Got a few others as well. Should be a... um, should be fun. Got a lot left to do right here, though, on this Thursday night. Thank you to Rick Shoemaker over at Cimarron. Uh, really appreciate that. Rafael Esparza, about 15 to 20 away from Vegas. I, I'm. It, this one comes from sportbetting.ag. Russell Wilson, even odds right now, that he'll be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. Wow. I mean, he's got better odds than... Than uh, than Kenny Pickett, uh, three to one. Then it's Justin Fields, four to one. Baker Mayfield, seven to one. Ryan Tannehill, nine to one. Kirk Cousins, ten to one. It, Kirk Cousins going to get paid. Uh, Mason Rudolph, twenty to one. And then you got all these props, which which um going to ask him about fastest forty yard dash over under four point two seven. 
you got to take the over, right? A 4 2 7. Uh, you can do individual ones. Uh, you know, John John Ross, who never did anything in the NFL, he's kind of like Ronaldo Nehemiah. 4 2 2. Will that be broken? Yes plus 400, no minus 700. You get away 700 to win 100 bucks if you take no. Steven uh, Paye, I believe is how you pronounce his name. The bench press record, 49 reps. Wow, 225 pounds, 49 times. What's the most you've ever done, 225 pounds? Probably three. High school. Yeah, if I, I, yeah. I was saying, if I, if I attempted 225 pounds right now, my, I, I would no longer have any berries. Oh, I um, thought you said your back would give out. I'm not worried about the back. I'm worried about the berries. Uh, Chris Connolly and Donald Washington, 45-inch vertical. Boy, Chris Connolly sucked here. He had a 45-inch vertical. Will that be broken? So We'll get into this in a little bit with our, our buddy, uh, Rafael Esparza. Uh, 1898, Blue, do we slide Walker Little to the left tackle position? You need to focus on the scouting crew, continues to look at soft, untalented players. I think they're talented. Uh, soft, I would agree with. Ben Barch was soft. He looks soft. Luke Jokel is soft. That was the former regime. Uh, Luke Fortner is soft. Walker Little is li- I'm trying to figure this one out. I-, I-, I think soft is fair. You know, he was injured at Stanford. He missed a considerable amount of time at Stanford. He's a, he's a left tackle by trade who played there with the Cardinal. Tried to make him a right tackle. I mean, for what it's worth, Jacksonville, feel free to draft an offensive lineman at a position he's played. Well, they did that, Baloo, with Fortner. Okay, you got me. And they did it with Cam. But Harrison's a left tackle. They put him at the right side. That left tackle position, you talk about money. You can make a case for three guys right now. There's got to be someone in town that's holding book on that, right? Maybe I'll contact the brothers Roland Deli. But there's, I don't know if it's off, uh, you know, out of Mayport or if it's over on the west side, maybe out at the Jug. It's certainly not on my nose of town, Bartram, because that bleeds into the 210 Mafia, and I'd be aware of that. But you could probably get decent odds right now on Cam, Walker Little, or Anton Harrison as your opening day left tackle. You can make a case for all three right now. For me, I'd cut Cam and go back with Walker Little. Walker Little was really good there the first four games of the year. He was their best offensive line. He got hurt when they moved him inside. I hope they don't go that way again. Uh, yeah, yeah, more on the offensive line here. Yes and that, this and that, this and that, this and that. Uh, 4704 Blues reported you get offended when you ask coaches and front office a question and they – Dance around it, even though you know that's what they might do. Not at all. Not at all. It's, um, there's no law. There's no rule. I actually think that what you have right now is very transparent. 
I'll tell you the biggest Tom Fullery I was ever a part of. That was with Hick. And this, for some reason, when they drafted Jalen, they did the interview with Jalen Ramsey and his family inside the Jaguars locker room. And I remember getting with Dave Caldwell after the interview. And Caldwell looked at myself and Dan Hicken and was like, when I asked about Miles Jack, and at that particular point, I was doing afternoons. I was on three to seven uh, with Frank and uh, and Jessica Playlock. And I remember coming back on the show. There's no way the Jaguars would take a Miles Jack. I spoke with Dave Caldwell. It was an incredible. Um, and and you don't have to be truthful about this, right? I mean, you you raise you raise your sons, you raise your daughters. It's about telling the truth. The, the, there is professional embellishment here. You don't have to give everything out when, when you're talking about trying to put together your football team. It comes with design. But I do think that Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson are, are honestly pretty transparent, and I thought Doug Marone was. It doesn't mean they're always, you know, doesn't mean that there's always going to be something there. I think what's really made a lot of people nervous in town is the way that Balky addressed the Cam Robinson situation almost as if he is here. Why are you even asking me? And him going on talking about corners. Do we have Balky on corners? Let's get to that, RJ, real quick. That's uh, cut number 10. If you have that from uh, Trent Balky going back to uh, to Tuesday's press conference. Again, I thought Balky did a real nice job answering these questions. Uh, here he is back on Tuesday. It's a good question. Who's going to be the third? You know, we've got to add to that group. You know, I think Coach Nielsen spoke on it. Coach Peterson's probably spoke on it. Now I'm speaking on it. It's a group that we need to do, to address. We feel good about the group we have. We feel like we got some good young guys to work with. We got some guys, some veterans in there. But we're definitely going to look to add to that group. And it's all over the place right now with mock drafts, including Quinya Mitchell, six foot one ninety six out of Toledo, going seventeenth to the Jaguars, a corner. I hate it. I do for the reasons that I've outlined. Not only tonight, but I do it whenever given the opportunity. I'm I'm not going there. If you want to do it in the second or third round, okay. Can you still find corners? Is there depth later in the draft? Apparently, this is a very strong uh, defensive back class, but Trey Herndon's free agent. Are you going to bring back Trey Herndon? You know, Darius Williams could be a cap casualty. I'd keep him unless Ryan Nielsen believes he's not going to be a solid man cover defensive back. They've been playing in the zone. Final year for Tyson Campbell, final year for Darius Williams. You have to draft a corner at some point. The only guys you have on the contract next year are Buster Brown and, and Christian Braswell. I guess Eric Hallett and add him to the list, right? Braswell selected in the sixth round. Hallett selected in the sixth round. You have any trust in those two? Antonio Johnson, you know, more of a, a – I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starting safety next to Cisco if they say goodbye to Rayshon Jenkins. Really high in Antonio Johnson. I think he's got an opportunity. I do. He's just got to stay healthy, man. He can't have those soft tissue injuries in August. Uh, that just sets you back. It set back Devin Lloyd two years ago. It set back Antonio Johnson this past year. I think they feel that Johnson in a pinch could be a nickel. I I don't. I, I think he's 
he's better suited as a as a as a safety and and almost in the box safety. He's very physical. Want to see him out of all the second year guys. All the attention is going to be obviously on Brenton Strange and Tank Bigsby, who both disappointed as rookies. And, and, and everything that I say is offense, 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 offense. I'm very happy with Anton Harrison for what it's worth. But I'm more interested with this class in year two with key defensive guys, okay? You need to get production out of these six players. Can you get anything out of, let's say, two plus, two that absolutely will be a big part of it, and the plus is a guy who gives you something in pinch, maybe a dime, a dime cover, or, you know, a guy that could be a third or fourth linebacker. What I'm talking about is Ventrell Miller, who basically redshirted. I loved him at Florida. The guy was all over the place at Florida. You could tell me he's undersized. You could tell me he doesn't have the the, the perfect east to west speed. I, I think he makes plays. That's that's the way I'm looking at Braden Fisk. Okay? Braden Fisk made plays. They, I'm not a scout. I don't pretend to be a scout. I, I get warped when I hear 40-yard dashes for defensive and offensive linemen. Who cares about a 40-yard dash? Those guys got to go 10 yards, right? That's it. Not 40 yards, but I think Ventro Miller. Where's your faith there? Tyler Lacey, fourth-round pick. That is a massive need. I think they're saying goodbye to Big Foley. I think they're really cautious about Devon Hamilton. Roy Robertson-Harris, I I don't know what they're going to do there. Tyler Lacey was a fourth-round pick. Yasir Abdullah, that looks terrible. Undersized, one-trick pony. Okay, and he can't get to the quarterback. That that looks like a bad pick, fifth-round pick. Just told you about Antonio Johnson, who I'm very high on, and then you get to look at these two corners, Christian Braswell and Eric Hallett. Can you get anything out of either one of those two? Dime cover guy. I don't know. And then I guess you can go back to offense. I mean, I know a lot of you listeners out there, including John Osher, who I spoke with last night, think that Cooper Hodges could be an insert and play guy. I'd love that. Who wouldn't? A seventh-round pick, insert him at the right guard position? A local kid? Be phenomenal. We don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. All right. I mean, it's great, though. It is. I mean, it's this is so much better than talking about a team with the top pick that just won a game or won three or four games. I mean, this is – you're relevant, people. You're 9-8. and eight. You, you, You've got a coach. You've got a quarterback. You've got to build that offensive line. You've got money. All right? You're going to create even more money when you restructure some of these deals, when you restructure Aloacom, when you restructure Kirk. And you're going to have even more money when you cut some of these players. So you can afford to go out and do some things. It's a much better overall scenario here in town than it was a couple of years ago. And I think every day that goes by, every week that goes by, all this doom and gloom will disappear a little bit. And by the time we get to August, you'll be just pounding the pavement, getting ready to go. That's the way I see it even here on the final day of February. 
Let's ring up another guest on the All Pro Roofing phone line. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. He is a star in Las Vegas because I was just there and sadly I missed him. He is Rafael Esparza, mybookiemybookie.org. Although, Rafael, I will say I read about you in the restroom, including on Saturday night when I stumbled into the ladies' room. Uh, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I have some very, uh, my younger days in Vegas when I first moved there, specifically when I worked at Caesars Palace in the late 90s, I was the closing supervisor in a race of sports book at Caesars. So things, things happen late at night. That, would, that wouldn't shock me. Yep. Went to the U2 show at the Spear. Outstanding. Visited the Mob uh, Museum and uh, said at the, is it the uh, Aria or Aria? Aria, that, that that sports book at Aria is I designed that. I opened up the Aria. Did you really? Yes, I did. I Man. was the first sports book director. Did did all the design and everything. Outstanding. Always a lot of fun. All right, Rafael, we're, we're tight here on time, so let's get straight to the combine. I, I know you sent a lot of stuff out. Um, boy, who would have thought that you can actually bet on this? What is the highest bet? Is it the forty? Uh, between the 40 and bench press, I think those are probably the two most popular ones uh, for combine betting. But, yeah, it's between those. I mean, let's face it, people love to see other guys bench press. I have no idea why, but that's probably one of the highest ones. Yeah. Now, is it is this big money or is this like Super Bowl prop stuff? Uh, oh, Super Bowl prop stuff. Uh, we're not taking uh, big money. This is just because uh, the NFL pays us to uh, odds makers to keep that word NFL in the limelight 365 days a year. So we, we have to put this stuff up where the NFL finds us. I saw that wide receivers, as far as the 40, really heavily favored over both defensive backs and running backs. I wasn't aware of that. I mean, if you track history, I know Ross ran the 4-2-2, and I remember the year that Dion ran a 4-2 whatever as a DB, but has is, is that really been the movement, wide receivers that much faster than anyone else? Uh, this this crop, no, I'm hearing it's much slower. Probably this round, uh, this uh, wide receivers better route runners and taller. So I think that's why the wide receivers are so deep in this draft. They don't have lightning speed, but great route runners, and they have length and size. So I think that's why I like to under at the 40 yard dash, slower than 4.27 seconds. Uh, we'll spend more time on this next week, but with the 12 team college football playoff ahead of us, I know the early lines are out to be one of those 12 teams. How much activity on that so far? Uh, bumped up the last couple of days because of the news of maybe a 14 and stuff like that, how the rules, SEC only gets two teams, uh, Big 12 only gets two. I mean, uh, stuff like that was very interesting. So I think the activity in the next couple of weeks are probably going to bump up. Uh, maybe after, maybe when March Madness comes in town, we're not that much college football action be taken in. But right now, yes, money coming in on college football futures. All right, Rafael Esparza, tell us about MyBookie and MyBookie.org. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow we flip the calendar. It's March 1st. I mean, it's March Madness, so don't get conference tournaments start pretty, pretty soon. So jump over there. have a full slate of college basketball on Saturday. MLS soccer started already. We're in week two. Uh, they get back into action on Saturday, then don't forget NBA, NHL playoffs around the corner, and spring training baseball is already a big hit. Yeah, all the money coming in on the Dodgers? Uh, yes, the Dodgers will be the one of the first teams to probably have run lines minus two and a half in back-to-back-to-back days. Wouldn't that shock me if you see that? Man, that is incredible. Hey, Rafael, appreciate it. Always a lot of fun talking to you next Thursday. Take it easy. Have a great weekend. There he goes, Rafael Esparza. And uh, he's with my bookie.
in mybookie.org. All right, I'm looking at the text line here, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime and Coaches. Just got so many in tonight. And if I um, didn't get an opportunity to, to get to you, I just apologize. But I love it when we're, we're, um, we're really busy here. You know, I mentioned the jug, right? I was at a, cutting the rug at a place called the jug with a girl named Linda Lou. Is it Linda Lou or Linda Sue? I think it's Linda Lou. I've, always, I've never been to the jug. I'm telling you. You know what my dream is, RJ? And I, I want you to be a part of me, a part of this. I, I want to do a crawl all throughout Jacksonville. I want to hit nothing but dive bars. Okay? Let's if, do it. If your feet don't stick to the floor, I'm not interested. But I, I actually drove out post-COVID a couple of times to the jug, and it was closed. I was told that it was open. But now I get one here from the 1352 that said there's a report on a victim says a man charged with arson at the bar. He mentions his name, which I won't. Um, apparently, it happened with gasoline, and he was tackled. It was the top story. It is the top story right now on Jacksonville news apps. I was not aware. Why would someone try to burn down something like that? Um, Disappointing to hear it, but yes, I got to make my way to the Jug Saloon. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. What did you used to drink again when we go out? Oh, man, Jacksonville Beach. Uh, where didn't I drink yeah, when I was Yeah, what was your college? shot? Skullshogger. That was it. That and Jaeger bombs. Oh, my oh. God. Man. And you know what's funny about that? I, I guess everybody can relate to this. The smell of Jaegermeister now, now that I'm an old man at 40 years old, I can't even smell it. I can't even um, be around it. I lived off of those things in college. You get anything within five feet of me right now, it's oh, it's just ugh, awful. Yeah, that that that's that's bad. That. That's that's a college drink. Oh gosh. Um. So, what do you prefer, bourbon or scotch? Uh, at this stage in life, I, I'm a bourbon guy. Yeah, bourbon and a cigar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I go Irish whiskey over them both. Okay. And, well, no, I like Irish whiskey as well. That's right. a great point. But you're a guy that would drink twelve shots of Goldschlager, <laughs> nine of Jägermeister, and then tell me the next day that you were hungover because of a cigar yeah. that you smoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I lived through my twenties, so I can tell some of those stories and. Uh, I live a I live a lot less active lifestyle now. I'll just say that those were fun times. If I remember correctly, I think I was going through a divorce. I think once you came to pick me up with some buddies, and I had the windows open on the big screen, had something <laughs> planned for you guys. <laughs> yeah, we had you and I had some time. I was back crazy in the back day. then. I'm so mellow now. I mean, life is just so mellow for me now. But back then, it used to be a lot of fun. Yeah, All right, what's coming up? Yeah, obviously, we're going to do a lot on the combine. We're going to have Frank Frangion up in Indianapolis to uh. Look at the festivities going on up there. Little NBA talk tonight, too. we got about 20 games left in the regular season. The Orlando Magic going to make the playoffs. The Boston Celtics. Will the Eastern Conference playoffs be the Celtics Invitational? It sure looks like it. We'll have Keith Smith on of Spot Track and the front office show. So a lot of NFL mixed in with a little NBA tonight. Keep South Florida out of the mix. They did it to my Celtics and definitely to my Boston Bruins a year ago. Miami just crushed them both. If Boston, if the Celtics don't win the title this year, at least get to the finals, 
it's a failure, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, they are head and shoulders better than everybody in the East right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. All right, changes tomorrow, if you have not heard. We'll be with you 3 to 6. That's Baloo and R.J. Saunders. So, you know, typically with you 6 to 8. That'll be the case all in next week, including next Friday. But tomorrow, 3 until 6. So, on a little bit earlier and uh, already uh, do look forward to that. Again, I don't check the text line now that the show is over, but if you do want to get a hold of me, you always can on Twitter and or X. That is Baloo1010XL. Thank you to Rafael Esparza. Thank you to Rick Shoemaker of this of uh, Cimarron Golf Course. Go check it out right there on 210. Plenty of money has been uh, poured into the course, and it is much better than it used to be. I'm telling you, check it out, and uh, let me know how you feel. R.J. Saunders, thank you. My name is Rick Ballou. We will talk tomorrow, 3 o'clock. That is right, 3 o'clock on a Friday. We'll do it then.